that. Let us turn in our Bibles, if we would, to the book of Ecclesiastes. The book of Ecclesiastes, as we started this study last uh, Sunday night, we looked at it and we saw that the writer of Ecclesiastes was King Solomon. And we identified the writer from the first verse, went in depth with that just a little bit. And then the second verse, what we find, it's almost like he is crying out in despair. And he says, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Vanity of vanities. He repeats it again. All is vanity, so said the preacher. That's what Solomon was crying out. And he had tried about everything in life. And because he tried about everything in life, he saw that all in life that life had to offer, it was vanity of vanities. Now as we are reading through this book, and as we are studying through this book, and as we're going through this book, you must remember that the things that Solomon writes about, they're true from his perspective, but not necessarily true from God's perspective. That'll help you understand a little bit better this particular book because this book is kind of written pessimistically about life in itself. And it's all because of Solomon's experience and they were real experiences to him. And so here what we see, we see life from his perspective when he had drifted away from God. Solomon, though he had fallen into sin, remember that he was still the wisest man and he had a lot of wisdom and therefore we can still learn from that wisdom from the inspired word of God. It's God that's recorded his words and they are written for our instruction. Solomon, I have no doubt, was a man who thought and he pondered the depth of the meaning of life. And he wanted to try everything there was in life. And as he tried different things in life, he pondered the purpose of things in life. There's a lot of times I think back on my life when I was younger, much, much younger. I, I, being my mom and dad ain't here, I don't know if they're listening or not. But anyway, this was in my wild day. I remember pondering the thought when I was in sin and drinking and carousing, running around in the wild days and I remember asking myself what is the purpose of life and I remember going to a place where they had a band and the band was out of Detroit it was uh, a pretty good little band best I can remember but I remember approaching that band and talking to some of the band leaders and asking them what was the whole purpose as far as their life now I don't remember any of their answers and I barely remember asking him that question. But you know what? They could not give me a good meaning for life. Their life was really without purpose and so is every life if they have not the Lord Jesus Christ. Here we want to see Solomon as he's pondering life and notice what he says in verse 3. He says, What profit hath a man of all his labor which he takes under the sun. Now he is looking at life under the sun. His problem is he's lost sight of life above the sun. And as he's looking at life all under the sun and all the things that happen under the sun, he's saying what profit is there to life? And what profit is there to what we do in life? 
Let me put it in modern day English and ask you the question, why are you doing what you do? That's a good little question. In life, what you do in life, why are you doing what you're doing in life? It's a good, honest question that takes some reflection. You need to ponder it. What's the purpose in what you do? Jesus had a very similar saying over in the gospel according to Mark. Over in Mark chapter 8 and down in verse 36, Jesus said this, For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? What profit is it to you? Say like if you became a million or bazillionaire, you had everything that you wanted, you had power, you had prestige, you had popularity. What profit is it to you if you gained everything in this life but you lost your own soul? If this life is all there is, then what permanent value does your life have? I want to pick up in verses 4 through 11 as we look at this passage of Scripture and go through portions of it at a time. And what we see is Solomon starts presenting, as he sees life, he compares it to cycles, things that happen in life. There are repetitive cycles. And he describes these cycles in comparison to the earth, the sun, the wind, and the sea. These are things of nature and what he's trying to prove that nothing is gained from all of our activity which we do. All the purpose and all the activity and all the movement and all the emotion, there's nothing gained by it. I want you to understand his reasoning. Remember he is a very wise man. What it seems like Solomon is where he's at in life as he writes this, and I think he's reflecting back more upon his life, he's trapped in a monotonous prison. In other words, I don't think I've watched the movie. I think I've seen little segments of Groundhog Day. You might have heard of the movie Groundhog Day. You might have even seen the movie Groundhog Day. I couldn't recommend it. I don't know if it's good or bad. Don't take my word. I mean, as far as like... Don't go see it because the preacher's saying about it. But from my understanding, it's a guy who lives his day over and over and over again. It's the same day over and over again. The exact same thing happens over and over again. You can imagine how monotonous that can get. It's kind of like a, if you ever had a pet gerbil and you have one of them little wheels and that gerbil gets on that wheel and he starts running around that wheel. And sometimes they'll do it, I mean, just constantly. You ever seen a little creature going running around that thing? What in the world is that thing thinking about? Getting his exercise, I guess. But what the writer is basically saying, he's saying that nothing changes as far as our lives concerning the world. He uses the earth in verse 4 as an illustration. Notice what he says. One generation passes away and another generation comes but the earth abides forever. The earth continues on and on, but generation after generation 
passes away. The earth keeps on, but individual lives, they pass out of this life. Families pass out of this life. They're replaced with other people. And you know what? After we're dead and gone, there's going to be more people on this earth if the Lord tarries His coming. And you know what? That's happened for generation after generation after generation. You can look back hundreds of years ago and you can see this situation constantly going on. And it is monotonous. The styles might change. The scenery might change as far as how people build things and do things. But pretty much the actors are still the same. Life is fleeting away. Solomon saw that. He saw that life was passing away. And maybe his life is about to come to an end when he's writing this, which I believe he was toward the close of his life. But what purpose is there to life when your life is passing away? How many people, just kind of in this congregation, how many of y'all know and remember your great, great, great grandfather? No takers on that. You see the impact they had on life. How many people are remembered years later as life passes on and they pass off the scene? Literally billions of people have passed through this life and yet they are forgotten. You see, significance is not found in an individual's life. Here's what Solomon is saying. Life is passing away and another one comes up and takes its place. As we look at earth, earth continues on. This is kind of a linear look instead of a circular look. Earth keeps going on and on, but lives keep passing away. As he ponders this thought, he then goes more into a scientific realm of thinking and he looks at the sun. And he sees the sun and notice what the Word of God says in verse 5. The sun also rises... And the sun goes down, and haste or hurries to his place where he arose. Sun goes up, sun goes down. Sun comes back up, sun goes back down. From birth to death on earth to the cycle of day and night. That's circular is very interesting with these examples that he gives of the sun, then the wind, and then the rivers or the sea. As he's looking at these circles of life, it's kind of like saying what goes around comes around. From birth to death, and then there's another birth, there's death, there's birth, there's death. It's just a cycle. It goes around and around, just like the little gerbil in the wheel. He goes around and around and around. And that's oftentimes this pessimistic view that Solomon's looking at. Solomon didn't live in our day and time. He didn't know anything about 
race cars, NASCAR. I don't know if any of y'all are NASCAR fans, but if you think about a NASCAR driver, they go around the track and around the track and around the track. They could go 500 miles around the track. And let me ask you, if you were to ask that person who's driving in the NASCAR and he wins the race and he says something like, well, I've driven 500 miles today. You ask him where did he end up, he ends up back where he started. That sounds kind of monotonous, doesn't it? Now, I'm sure there might be some NASCAR fans. I'm not a NASCAR fan, though I was raised pretty much in NASCAR country. Some people like watching a car go around and around. I, I was just never into that. But Solomon didn't use that as an illustration because there weren't race cars back. Maybe they used chariots back in that day. But he didn't even use that. What is the purpose? What is the purpose of our lives? The Word of God tells us concerning the Son that the heavens declare His glory. I believe the Son even declares the glory of our God. The sun, the moon, the stars, they declare the glory and the greatness of God. But here Solomon's using it in a whole different sense. He's saying the sun goes up Sun goes down. Tomorrow morning, sun comes up. Sun goes down. Doesn't matter if it's cloudy day. The sun's still coming up. Sun's still going down. Now, you know what? You can find some beautiful sunrises and sunsets. And some people, are they stand in awe of the beauty because that's God's creation. You, one of the fascinating things I find when I lived close to the beach was catching the sunrise coming up over the ocean. And sometimes it'd be a little bitty spot, and all the next thing you know is a big spot. And, you know, and it's just, sometimes it's radiance. But it's the glory of God you can see in that. And it's like, wow. Sometimes the sunsets, you can catch them over like LCA, some, some of the most beautiful sunsets back over that way. Beautiful. But what Solomon is saying here. The sun does not acknowledge that. The sun comes up, sun goes down. Comes up, it comes down. In other words, to the heavens, one day is like the next day. You know what? The next day is going to be like the next day. And the next day like the next day. The sun rises in the east and it sets in the west. And what he does, he goes from the east to the west, how the sun comes up and the sun goes down, and then he goes and starts talking about the wind and the circuits of the wind. The winds go from the south to the north is what it says. The wind goes toward the south and turns about and to the north. It whirls about continually and the wind returns again according to its circuits. I believe what Solomon is saying here. He is saying from the east to the west, from the north to the south, in all the totality of all this motion and all this movement, what profit is there? Things are constantly in motion. But what purpose is it? The wind blows wherever it 
goes. And you can hear the sound thereof, but you know what? You don't know which way the wind's going to blow. Let me give you a good illustration. Anybody who's ever been around a campfire or around a smoker or something where it's producing smoke, if you're like me and if you're on a grill cooking or something like that, it's inevitable what side I'm standing on is the side the smoke comes toward. You can move around to the other side and something, I'm like a smoke magnet. I draw the smoke. Anybody else like that or has it just happened to me? Yeah, it, it doesn't matter. which Wherever I go, that, that smoke's coming my way. I cannot discern which way the wind's going to blow in the next moment. You see, wind has its own course. And it goes, it says, toward the south, and then it turns up toward the north. It whirls about continually. The wind keeps flowing in all of its circuits. And you know what? Man comes and goes, but the wind keeps blowing. It keeps blowing in its circuits. Solomon's pondering all this. He's looking at all this. What profit has a man in all his labor which he does under the sun? And then he turns to the sea. And he ponders the sea. And as he looks at it, he says, All the rivers run into the sea. Yet the sea's not full. Under the place from whence the rivers come, thither they return again. You think about that. All the waters are flowing into the ocean. As the oceans are receiving all the water, the oceans never overflow. Here's the cycle of water. If you think about it, I was reading where 97% of the water in the world is in the oceans. And only 0.0001% is in the atmosphere. That's enough for it to rain about 9 or 10 days. You think about it, the sun and the winds, it keeps the water circulating. But the oceans stay the same. Isn't that kind of fascinating? I thought it was kind of fascinating. Maybe I'm just kind of a geek. But anyway, it's pretty fascinating. But what Solomon is seeing is how life is full of monotony. It's like being on a treadmill. I used to jog. Don't jog no more. My leg won't let me. I didn't like jogging on a treadmill. Treadmill, the view never changes. <laughs> Same scenery constantly. It's too monotonous for me getting on a treadmill. Now, some of you might like a treadmill. That's all right. You can have the monotony. But that's what life is like, is what Solomon is describing. It's kind of like someone I told me. They drove around New Circle Road looking for something. And they drove around New Circle Road and they thought they were getting somewhere until they realized about three or four hours later after driving around New Circle Road, the scenery wasn't changing, they were on New Circle Road. <laughs> they didn't realize that until quite a few <laughs> hours later. And yet that's the way Solomon is looking at life. Everything's remaining the same, although there's a lot of movement and a lot of motion. 
things don't change. So what happens with Solomon here in this passage of Scripture, he's coming to a conclusion, and this conclusion that he's coming to at the first part of this book, it's a very frustrating conclusion. Here is his first thoughts from his first speech. And he says in verse 8, All things are full of labor. Man cannot utter it. In other words, he can't say enough. The eye is not satisfied with seeing. The eye can't get full enough. And the ear filled with hearing. You can't hear enough. What Solomon is saying, he's saying there's just no satisfaction. You might be satisfied for just a few moments, but then again you want your ears filled again or your eyes filled again or you want to talk a little more. Oh, I remember... The old rock and roll song, you can't, I can't get no satisfaction. Um, you might remember that, might not, and irrelevant, but that's the way the world is. They cannot get satisfaction from this world. And that's what Solomon is saying. Things are full of work. Man can't even speak enough about it. His eye is never satisfied, it's never full. His ears never filled with hearing. Well, let's put that in practical everyday language. Seems like there's always laundry to do. Now, some of you might not understand what I'm talking about, but I know some of you do. Seems like there's always laundry to wash. Or if we're talking about washing, you wash the dishes, but it seems like as soon as you wake up the next morning, there's always dishes to wash. You see, it's an endless cycle of motions. You think about bills. There's always bills to pay. And as soon as you pay the bills, it's time to pay the bills again. Seems like those bills come quicker every month, don't it? Emails. I hate to go there. I hate to check email. My email backs up so much, but not as bad as some. Some people have literally got thousands of emails they've never responded to or looked at. But there's an ever endless cycle of emails coming in my email box. I push unsubscribe, yet there's more emails. It seems like it just mushrooms. They must spread my name around or something. I don't know what it is, but there's more, more, more emails. This past week has been a very busy week, but I edged in a little bit of time to where I could get a haircut. But you know what? Before long, I'm going to have to get a haircut again. It's about like summertime. When it comes summer, the grass is going to need cutting. As soon as I cut the grass, the grass is going to need cutting. You understand the monotony I'm talking about? It seems like an ever, never-ending cycle. There are people who like to try to break free from this monotony, this same thing over and over and over again, and they try to break free from it. Well, I'm going to change jobs. Or maybe I'll just get a new car. Or maybe I need a new spouse. Or maybe I just need to make more money. How about if I got a promotion? Boy, if I got a promotion. How about if I buy a house? You know, once I get a house, I'll be satisfied then. If you think about it, I remember when I was young, 
Jordy, I can't wait till I go to college. That way I can get out of my house and out from under my parents and I can do my own thing. Boy, then you start studying. Man, the studying is monotonous. And you got to work to keep the bills up. And you got to, oh man. But if only, if only I can get a job, then I can be out of college. Well, you get a job. Then you think, oh, if only I get, if I can find the right person, I can get married. Well, if and only then, once I get married, once I'm married, then, oh, if I can only have children, then I'll be satisfied. Oh, if I only had a job promotion where I could afford the children that I've just wanted. You see, it's an endless cycle of we want and we want and we want. And when you get, you always want a little more. If I only had a bigger house. If only we can move. If only I got to have an addition to my house. If I only could do, you see, well, Solomon could not find that satisfaction, and yet we're not much different at times in our lives. Alistair Begg, we got a little bit of hot water lately here, but one of the things he said in a sermon: we put a man on the moon. And the problem with that is, once the man got on the moon, there wasn't really nothing up there to do but sit around and look back at the earth. <laughs> you know what? We can have all the technology and all the things that we can, we can explore and we can do things, but there's nothing new under the sun. How sad that is. Even technology leaves us empty. We might be in contact with a friend on the phone and, boy, we're just a texting back and forth and... We ignore the friend that's sitting right beside us. Y'all know what I'm talking about. The phone oftentimes takes precedence. But yet, even all that leaves us empty. That's where Solomon was in life. He had that emptiness. And the Word of God says in verse 9, The thing that hath been, it is that which shall be. And that which is done is that which shall be done, and there is no th new thing under the sun. Is there anything whereof it may be said, See, this is new. It hath been already of old time, which was before us. There's nothing new under the sun, is what Solomon is saying. You know what? We're very apt to repeat history. I think that's exactly what our government's doing. One side is accusing the other side of being like Hitler and while they're playing the role of Hitler, trying to demolish the other side, yet accusing the other side of doing the same, exactly what they're doing. You know what? We're right in the same area of repeating the things that we've done. And yet people don't remember what's been done. The Word of God says, There is no remembrance of former things. Neither shall there be any remembrance of things that are to come with those that shall come after. I'll ask you again, do you remember who your great-great-great-grandpa is? Well, he don't. Kind of interesting situation. I shared just a moment ago before service started. When I was in the ER with my dad yesterday, I'm sitting in the ER room and 
the APRN comes up and she talks to my dad a little bit and he's in a lot of pain. Probably about an hour later, she comes back in and she looks at me and she says, have you been in here before? I thought, yep. <laughs> I said, I'm a pastor, I visit quite a bit. She says, no, you were in this room. I'm going like, room number seven. I, I don't really remember the room, but she did. And it was 2019 when I got back from Jamaica and I had ticks all over me. And I'm there in the middle of the night and there was three nurses. I think they switched out a couple every now and then and they were picking ticks from Jamaica. My reputation has stuck with me for at least five years. You know what? Here the Word of God says there's no remembrance of former things, but them nurses remembered me. I've left an impression upon them. Not the kind I wanted to leave, but regardless, that impression's there. But how many of us will make an impact, such an impact upon life that they're going to remember us years down the road after we are long gone from here. If you think about it, most people are forgotten after they pass away. The problem with Solomon as he's writing here, this is life without Christ. When the Lord is not in your life, you can become very pessimistic. But there's a biblical way of thinking. And we've got to see that life without Jesus Christ is vanity. It's emptiness. You can live your life and you can make great things in your life happen. But you know what? Without Christ, at the end of life, you have nothing. It's just a big zero at the end of life and you've got a face the judge of all the earth. God is the one who controls history. I've said this often. You think about history, that's his story. It's God that's writing history. And you know what? God remembers. We might not remember. The next generation might not remember. But God remembers. God remembers his own and he knows his children who are his. And what God does, he makes his children new creatures. He makes them walk in a newness of life is what the word of God tells me. He puts a new song in our hearts, therefore we sing unto him. There was a time in my life I could not sing, redeemed how I love to proclaim it. But you know what, I sure can sing that one now. And you know what? If God's put a new song in your heart, you can sing it too. God is making a new heavens and a new earth. And he's going to bring that to pass someday. You see, this is not in Solomon's thinking. All he's looking at is that which is under the sun. He's not looking above the sun. There is life above the sun. When you know the Lord Jesus Christ, let me tell you something. He has come and He has given us life and that life is the abundant life is what He says. Brother Steve called me the other day. I've, I've shared this with him just a little bit ago. We were about to start the Good News Club. We had the kids getting all organized and everything. And I told Brother Steve, we're just about to start a club 
and I'm about to share the gospel. He said, oh, I'll let you go, I'll let you go. You know what? That's exciting when you share the gospel. You know why? Because that's how God changes hearts and lives. And you know what? He makes things new for those who trust in Him. There's a whole different outlook upon life, and you realize that everything is not just vanity, vanity, all is vanity. It's not all vanity if it's for the glory of God. Herefore I can sing, this is my Father's world. Oh, let me ne'er forget that though the wrong seems often strong, he's still the ruler yet. This is my Father's world. Don't let me ever forget. I'm not in a rat race. Not when you have the opportunity to share the gospel. I shared with you this past week, been super busy, almost like I can't even think. But it's not a rat race if the joy of the Lord is your strength. If we get so caught up in the moment with the things that we've got to do and the demands upon our life, we can get in the shape of Solomon and think, man, what's the purpose? What's the purpose? Why do you do what you do in life? You know what? The purpose in life is to glorify God. And may others see in our life Christ who is our hope of glory. I think one of the greatest things that Christ has done for me, He's given me purpose in life. Like Brother Spencer said, and life is worth the living just because he lives. And it truly is. You know what? Don't be disheartened as a child of God. We go through changes in life. We go through times in life. Things are rough. But God is at work. God's got a purpose and God's got a plan. And ultimately it's to his glory. Therefore, you as God's child live to the glory of God. He is worthy. We're going to stop there in verse 11. We're going to give a hymn of invitation. This I say beyond a shadow of a doubt that life without Christ there's really no purpose. We're going to sing I'd rather have Jesus. Brother Spencer's going to come up here and lead us. If there are issues in your life you need to deal with, things you need to make right with the Lord, I'm going to ask you to get right with the Lord during this invitation. If you need to talk to me, I'm right up front. Brother Spencer will be leading the singing, so let us stand and go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us to see that life is not just a bunch of motion, a bunch of movement, but we as your children, you've given us purpose for life. Help us to not seek the fleeting things of this world. 
Help us not to set hope upon the things of this world, but to trust in you to provide for our needs. Truly you are our satisfaction. You are the only one who can satisfy the deepest needs. So we ask that you work effectually within our midst, showing each and every one their need for you. We'll give you the praise for Christ's sake. Amen.